Hi, is this Blade Farm Insurance? Yes, it is. How can I help you? I'm here to pick up my cash settlement for the total scale. Total scale? Ah, yes. The giant robot with a talon impaled through its torso. Let me see. Here we go. Uh, one check for the actual credit value of said scale. Um, I think you may have made a mistake. It only says 2,000 credits here on the check. No, that's not a mistake. The Riki Blue Book value of the scale is 2,000 credits. The cheapest scale you can buy right now is at least 200,000 credits. I mean, they do lose value as you as soon as you drive them off the lot. No, I don't think you understand. Have you seen this planet? I need to get a new scale for work. I'm sure you can always take the bus. Are you kid? Are you kidding me right now? I am literally on a mission to find the life hole that is holding the literal last vestments of humankind, and you're giving me the runaround about the settlement. Well, I'm sure if it was that important that you would have opted for our pre premium plan. Okay, you know what? When I find the life hold, I am going to go track down your body's life pod and draw the biggest stick ever on your forehead with a sharpie. Take your check and shove it. Wow, that guy was rude. Uh, next. Uh, hi, I need to file a claim. I may have accidentally fell down in my scale underneath the foot of a giant dinosaur. <sighs> God, I hate this planet. This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast for your news, Q&A Quest for your feedback, and we're here for your nostalgia. I'm Kelly Ryan, and joining me as always, my podcast partner in crime, uh, the scale to my blade that didn't make any sense M matt mason well none of this is going to make any sense to me but i'm along for the ride tonight i'm here oh uh, you, you you never got a wii u oh gosh that thing existed i thought it was just a rumor <laughs> i don't think nintendo pretends it exists either oh, okay um, i i do have some other people that played the game to, though uh joining us is brian mccarthy i'm ready to talk about some scales now uh, maybe after the intro, but I need yeah. to introduce our other uh, guest, Michael Apps. I actually liked the Wii U. It didn't like yeah. me very much, though. Um, I, I've heard that it didn't like a lot of people, and not a lot of people liked it. I personally liked it, but um, once this last game comes, if it ever gets ported on it, I'm pretty much ready to box it up and Same. keep it as a retirement fund. Same. Um, <laughs> if you haven't figured it out yet, we are talking about Xenoblade Chronicles X, um, arguably the last Wii U exclusive that has yet to be ported to the Switch that is of significance. And I, I really want this one to be ported because this was a really great game, and it makes me sad that mm -hmm. it's stuck on that system. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely the lost gem of the Wii U at this point. We've gotten. 
think every other one except maybe that Paper Mario game that may or may not be good. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, not but pretty much everything things. else. Yeah. Um, see, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, Mario 3D World, uh, Breath of the Wild was a dual release. Uh, uh, oh, a lot Kong. of the, oh yeah, Tropical Freeze. Yeah. Um, <laughs> New Super Mario Wii U. Yeah. But what? No, no one wants Nintendo Land. No. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Oh yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles X. I, I feel I feel like it is the honestly the the best one of the three, and that's saying a lot. Wow. <laughs> but I I feel well, like it's the best one of the three because it does the most different. Uh, I can get behind that argument. Yes, I can see it. Uh, um, but that being said, we will get into it a little bit more after this brief musical interlude, because I'm, I'm sure we've got a lot to say about this game, and I don't want to burn all of our material in the intro. So stick around, and we will be right back to dive into Xenoblade Chronicles X. One, two, three, four. And welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we are going to dive straight in to Xenoblade Chronicles X. This was first released on December 4th, 2015 on the Wii U, so game's about six years old now, give or take. I, can't, I didn't see if it, that was a worldwide release or uh, North America only. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's funny. It, it felt like this game was kind of a unicorn for the longest time because it was first announced during that initial Wii U kind of sizzle reel in um 2013 under the working title x and then we heard nothing about it it went for what seemed like forever and then suddenly they during a direct i want to say they're like oh yeah xenoblade chronicles x that's a thing and it's coming out soon i don't know if you guys remember all that or not vaguely yeah, yeah i kind of remember that yeah because um, because nobody knew knew what it was, it was especially with the X, if it was going to be another Xenoblade game, if they was going to try out something else. Um, arguably, they could have even called it something else, but I think they went with the Xenoblade name just because of the brand recognition, um, give or take. And yeah, they um, started development shortly after the original Xenoblade was completed and kind of wanted to go for a more sci-fi feel for this game. And the trivia bit that I found was interesting was that apparently the game barely fits on the 32 gigabyte disc. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I buy, I buy that because I buy that because like, well, I mean, they, like there's, there's throwing up a patch that like, like a patch or something that like, you just, that just takes up most of the Wii U storage space. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, uh, cause I, I have the disc obviously. I wonder how, much storage space it took just to download i mean and i mean this like even if you had the disc there's like a pat there's like a patch or something that like like i mean i don't think it was like necessary to play it but it definitely like fast and low times i think oh yeah i think i read about that patch that kind of helped with that i don't know if i downloaded that or not 
um, to be perfectly honest with you, my Wii U stuff is kind of buried in my entertainment center, and I was, I've been super busy, and I have not been in the mood to dig all that stuff out, so I didn't even open up my save file like I usually do for uh, the show. my Wii U has been disconnected for for years. I be, I feel like uh, I I keep it connected for the occasional Wii game that I want to play for the show. But other than that, uh, it's just been kind of yeah. I mean, there. I actually thought about connecting it back up, but I I don't know where some of the wires are. So mm-hmm. hey, you can always play right on the gamepad. No TV needed. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even have the charger for that. I, I, oh, I, it should be around here. So, I don't know. I'm sure it's somewhere. I just don't know where it is. I, I think the most frustrating thing about the Wii U to me is that that gamepad, the port for the charger is the exact same as a DS uh, charger, but it won't accept a DS charger. Yeah. Which which is frustrating because, you know, back especially back then, I kept a DS charger around with me like or by my couch at all times. And the gamepad would just kind of slowly die, and it was just a nightmare to deal with. Um, but part part of the reason why for that huge file size, obviously, is because this is a massive game. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Huge overworld, uh, 360 degrees of movement in the overworld. So not, not only is there ground movement, but you can fly around. And I want to say there's like five unique continents that you can explore. Yeah, what what really impressed me about a, a lot of the outer areas too is there's a lot of verticality to it. Yeah, like yeah. there's giant mountains. There's like these massive caves that go like incredibly deep. Like it, the world is crazy huge, and uh, it's it's pretty impressive. <laughs> And and yeah. not only that, I don't think there's any. I think once you load into the world, when you're um, or when you once you get to your continent, as far as uh, load times, there pretty much isn't any load times. Yeah, no. Um, I'm not I mean, sure I, about I, other I, graphic. Gra- I, sorry, I, I, I'm not sure about other graphical issues like pop-in and uh, warping and stuff like that. Well, I mean, there's. Well, no, go on. Um. But, but I mean, the the landscape in this game is impressive. Yeah, I, I mean, Breath of the Wild aside, uh, this is probably the best looking game on the Wii U by far. Mm-hmm. Like, not even close. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm hard pressed to think of a game that yeah, looks better. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. I- <laughs> I'd probably agree. G- I mean, granted, that's kind of a sh- small yeah. pool because I did that's not just, play a lot of Wii U games. To <laughs> say part of that is I don't think a lot of people actually tried very much <laughs> the Wii U. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, that that's kind of a shame, but um, agreed. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I joked that I got a Wii U for Christmas one year, and I uh, if I wouldn't have gotten that system for Christmas, I honestly would have never bought one. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, and and you know you know given that eventually I bought I bought a Saturn and never regretted that um, that said that says a lot. Uh, uh, I also got one. I think it was for a birthday, not Christmas. But you know they, my wife gave me money to get it, so I'm like, oh well, this might be hard to track one down. It was mm-hmm. not. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I actually got my Wii, Wii U a year after it came out because my, my aunt just randomly just bought it for us for some reason. Hmm. Which uh, is is hilarious because I feel like when the Wii or when the Wii U started dying, 
um, all of a sudden there was like a huge amount of demand for them and they started getting really expensive really quick. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, cause I, I remember my husband wanted one and I think he, he picked up one at games. The, I think it was the wind waker one at GameStop for not really cheap, but cheaper than a launch one. And that's the funny thing about the Wii U is that even though it was a system that nobody cared about, it technically never went down in price either because that demand just kind of hit right at the cusp. Yeah. Well, I mean, it has a Smash Brothers game on it and it has a a big Mario Kart game on it. So although it wasn't a success by any stretch of the imagination, those two games at least kept it alive for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, I think you were talking about playing the game. The, you could play the entire game on the gamepad. Whether or not you would want to is an entirely different matter. I mean, you may need a magnifying glass for this game. Oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I cannot. I don't. I can't imagine playing this on a gamepad. Um, I, I actually have it open right now, and um, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> it's hard to read. It's like, really hard to read. You're actually close enough to your Wii U to be able to do that. Yeah, it's uh, shockingly still in my entertainment center. Because I, I, I swear my bathroom is like right by my couch, and I tried to play it in the bathroom once, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't do it. it oh yeah, the far the range, the range sucks. It's really bad. Yeah, like I'm literally sure the the Switch was designed the way it is because. Specifically because, I don't know, because of, because of that. Yeah, no, I, I think they were on to something with mm. the gamepad. But, you know, it, it you just need the whole unit in your hands. Just, this tethered thing that just does was not going to work. And to, to give them credit and to give this game credit, I think Xenoblade Chronicles X has the best use of the gamepad that, at least as far as RPGs go. Oh, for sure. Uh, I don't know if any. I don't know if any other games it had it, yeah. used it as well. But the fact that your gamepad was your map, but it yeah. was also kind of your like your scientific pad. So you know, the whole time mm-hmm. while I'm playing it, I kind of felt like an actual scientist looking in and um, controlling the data probes and uh, looking at the the resources on the different hexes and stuff like that. It kind of helped break the fourth wall in a way to kind of make you immersed into the gameplay. Yeah. Um, cause kind of, kind of get into the story beach just a little bit. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, starts out with a, um, a bunch of spaceships leaving earth and a bunch of aliens destroying earth. And I think only one spaceship made it out Yeah, and, uh, cr- crash lands on a planet called Mira and somebody awakens your life pod. And at this point, I, th- I think at this point you create an avatar. Yes. Um, and your avatar is par- part of this group of people called the Blades. <laughs> that neat little reference to uh, Xenoblade 1 there. And your mission is that you're trying to find this life hold, this part of the ship called the life hold that is holding pretty much all of humanity. Or all that's left left of it anyway. Yeah, yeah all yeah. that's left of it. So you're kind of a mercenary, but also a little bit of a scientist in that you're exploring this huge new planet 
um, you're uh, installing data probes on the planet so that not only can you kind of get a read of the land, but you also use some of the data probes to mine resources and stuff. Um, not only for crafting materials, but for money. And that's pretty much how you make most of your money in the game is kind of having um, resource mining. And yeah, that, that gamepad part of that just looked awesome. It's just a shame that you can't read anything, like you said. Yep. Um, I, I honestly thought that was a me problem, because I, I do not see very well. Uh, no, no, it's it's not good. Even on a TV, it's not great. Hmm. Yeah, the, the UI in general kind of is kind of a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think in particular the kind of the small text on some of the items and stuff like that was just a nightmare. But any- anyway, so exploration is kind of the name of the game in this game, but you've also got like a whole bunch of missions and side quests to go through. And um, it even kind of has a little bit of a passive multiplayer aspect to it, um, where uh, you-, you can do quests that... Uh... Oh, God, I can't remember now. It was quest that kind of added to the overall construction of the uh, base, or I don't know if anybody any, anybody else did those. Uh, the base? Wait, what? Um, hmm. Oh, I was reading something else, I'm sorry. Um, You see other players running around the city in the oh, game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You I can't think, directly I think... interact with them. Hmm. Um, they, there's kind of like mission board type quests that you can do that are pretty blah. And yeah, you can also kinda, yeah, they're just kind of get get a bunch of these quests. Um, you can also put your put up your player character for other players to rent for two hours in their party, which I never did. Well, I mean that you're just ta- well, that's because you're they'd be taking up another spot that you can have another party member have. Yeah, because I I found that the base party members that you get in the game were pretty pretty decent enough, even though I it it does the thing that I hate in RPGs where you use one character because you like them and then they get taken out of your party for the rest of the game for story reasons without any warning. Um, Yay! No warning. (laughs) So you guys, I don't think you two ever finished the game, so I don't know if you got that far. No, I got I got uh, I think I got I get seventy hours into it. Like I think I was around chapter nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I want to say like fifty hours in, maybe chapter nine or so, uh, until unfortunate things happened. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll we'll save that we'll, story we'll for, save the round that. Table, for the round table. But um, did you guys get to the big twist? The, no. Wait, the big twist. Um, are you talking about the? Okay, wait. The, do you the mean twist the one with who the, all the characters are? Like the yeah. one, they, the one they that's are? the one yes. that's like. Yeah. Oh, I think that's like in chapter five. Okay. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it's but, so, it's so weird because it's like wait, this was how is this not explained to you at when at the beginning? I I think because they kind of wanted a twist moment. So um, what we're talking about, and yeah, it is kind of a spoiler, but it's kind of early game spoilers, is. Everything in the colony is a robot. Yeah, every, and yeah, every, every, yeah, everyone you see is is like in a android body or something. Yeah, and the reason why you're hunting for the life hold is because it did it say everybody's bodies were in the life hold? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and you find that out because I think like half of your arm gets blown off. Yes. And because your character conveniently has amnesia, the the NP or the 
other player characters are like, wait, you didn't know that you were a robot? Which pr probably also explains why you can immediately come back to life after dying in the game. But I, 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 I thought that that was a neat little twist. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, kind of. I thought it was I pretty mean, it, cool. It, especially if you know you're in a ship that's fleeing the uh, the destruction of Earth, and who knows how long you're going to be in space trying to hunt for another home. So it would make sense that the organic bodies pretty much had to go into stasis. I mean, you, you could be orbiting space hunting for a home for what billions of years. Just that then you got to worry about things like, well, are you ever going to run out of fuel or that sort of thing? You know, those kind of sci-fi questions. Um, but yeah, uh, and as far as combat goes, it plays a lot like the other Xenoblade games where um, auto attacks while you're using your arts to do extra damage and the arts are kind of your cooldowns, um, just, just like in an MMO. And they kind of emphasize positioning in battle, but also um, stringing, stringing together combos from your other party members to do huge damage or, you know, toppling an enemy to get, get them to do extra damage. And then another character can do a combo and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, the nice part about this one is you get to pick the main character who's the only one you can control, I believe. You get to pick their their class so you can kind of choose yeah. what style you want to play like what i mean kind of role you want to play in combat i think i think you can even switch around i switch it around i think i think you can and then there's like advanced classes you could uh continue on into i honestly can't remember for the life of me what class my main character was uh, oh I, I can't remember what classes were even in this game um You've got the striker, the striker, which is offensive and defensive arts. The commando, which is your melee and ranged attack, and then your enforcer, which is support and ranged. So when that comes into play, I tend I tend to pull just base melee. So I probably would have been a striker. Um, later on in the game, some of the advanced classes include like samurai gunner, uh, winged viper, psycho corruptor. Um, I honestly can't remember what I specced into. I just noticed that I tend to put, put, do like a lot of offensive stuff. Uh, offensive stuff and swords. That's usually me. Um, but like, like we were joking at the beginning of the cast, uh, later on in the game, you get giant robots. Yes. Yay. And the giant robots are where the real fun begins because... Um, they're limited by how much fuel they have, but you have so much better range because, you know, they're they're huge. So all of a sudden, those giant dinosaurs and stuff on the map, you can actually, you know, have a chance against. Um, I, I think it's kind of funny, like all the little bitty creatures, you just kind of kick around uh -huh. when you're in the skull. Um, that, that's what they're called, by the way, skulls. Uh but, you know, you move faster in the scales and you jump higher. And I think I want to say it's around chapter 14-ish. Um, your scale gets wait, the ability to... 14? Uh, I thought there were only 12 chapters. So. Maybe I'm misremembering. Yes, uh, you definitely get them earlier than that. Okay, never. sorry about that. Although they but, can't no, sorry, fly sorry, right away. Just... So maybe you're thinking of whenever you get the ability to fly, which I never got to, sadly. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not even sure if I if I even remember if I got the ability to fly. Okay, you're right. The flight module is in chapter nine. I think I got it confused with another game. 
because um, I I kind of blew through all of this. I didn't do a lot of side stuff until I got the ability to fly. Mainly because I, when I was trying to do it, I was getting very frustrated at some of the spots that you just could not get to without flight. Especially if there was uh, a uh, node there for putting a probe. Um, I don't know if that frustrated you guys as much as it frustrated me. Yeah. Mm. But the flight module, you can pretty much fly anywhere. And some, I mean, some of those spires in the areas get pretty high up. I, I remember there being one in the um, first continent of the game that I, I swear I was like flying for 10 minutes just to get to the top of it. And then once I got to the top <laughs> oh of it, God. you know, I was just like, like in awe of how much you could see. No, that's one thing I wish they they gave you a lot earlier in the game too. It's just yeah, it, it'd be great to be able to fly around a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah, especially after Breath of the Wild gives you so much freedom to move around. Um, I'd imagine that going trying to go back to this game after playing Breath of the Wild would be pretty difficult because you know that that glider just changes everything. It really does. And in any game I've played since then that doesn't have something like that, just like, oh, I just want to jump off this mountain and glide. Uh, but um, <laughs> the annoying thing, though, is that the scales can be kind of a money pit, too, because they are very expensive and you have to buy insurance on them. And if you don't eject before they explode, then you're pretty much screwed because mm -hmm. they think the insurance will replace them like up to three times, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's like they live like I think they like yeah a certain number of times. Um, I don't think I had my skull blow up, or if I did, I I stopped and restarted the game because I didn't want to <laughs> deal with the pit. Um, because even the base model skull is pretty expensive. Though I also tried to min max my uh my probes very much to make sure that I could get as much money as possible. Yeah, getting. Uh, getting a good flow of money in this game is definitely extremely important. Um, let's see, what else can we talk about? Um, I can't really go too much into the kind of the other twists and turns the story takes because you guys haven't finished the game, and if you do finish it, I uh, don't want to spoil it. Uh, I mean, if also, I don't really care that much if you spoil it because. Um, well, well, I know that one thing that happens is the character Wow ends up being a traitor. Which was very frustrating for me because it, for me he was one of my best damage dealers, so I used him a lot. So when they take him out of your party for story Ooh. reasons, it's like, oh, thank you, game. You could have warned me not to use him, <laughs> or you know, give him back. Um, you also get you can also recruit quite a few characters in this game because uh, you've got your basic characters, you win. And the player character, and the, the other one that I remember, L, kind of Elma, I think. Yeah, the blue alien. Oh no, wait, that's and, someone else. Uh, yeah, I think the blue one was L. I think I think that's what you're referring to. Yeah, and the the fun thing about all of the characters that you can recruit is that each one of them have an affinity mission, so you can find out a lot about their backstories and um, overall uh, character traits and stuff like that. Um. And for other Xenoblade fans, hey, you get another uh, Taru. Yay. And the character Lynn makes constant jokes about how she wants to cook him. 
because she thinks he's a potato. Ah, uh, Jesus. I enjoy those jokes. They were all very funny. <laughs> it was also, like, I think 40 hours in the game before I realized that Lynn's barrettes were the Minato. <laughs> I don't know if you guys had had the same thing. Though, I they... What's also funny is that they aged up Lind considerably in the English release because I think in Japan she's supposed to be like thirteen. Yeah, yeah, she's supposed to be thirteen, and then they change it to eighteen or something. <laughs> yeah, that that reminds me of, of like when Bravely Default, their the characters were, were were like originally fifteen, and then they increased it to eighteen. Yeah, I remember that too. And probably a good thing they did that because there's some. Uncomfortable shit in that game. Yeah. Okay, so the playable characters that you get um, just by default are Doug, Elma, Gwen, Ierna, El, Lau, and Lin, which is very confusing, all three characters, or three characters with L names. And then you've also got a handful of recruitable ones, too. And to be honest, I like the uh, regular characters so much that I don't even think I recruited anybody. Yeah, I don't think I ever did either. Um, and for me, this was definitely one of those games that I knew that I was not going to be doing every single little side quest in the game because there are so many side quests, and a, a lot of the a lot of the really involved ones that involve story. Um, once you start one of those, you can't back out of it until you finished it. Mm. Yeah, you got you got to be really careful with that. I think I, I think when I was playing it, I th- I made sure I didn't save during them. Yeah, I made a point, or I kept two save files at the very least. Is it even possible to have two save files? I think you could, because I'm one of those people that I always keep two save files just in case. So I swear, I swear, I remember, I swear, I remember there was only one save file, but I could be remembering wrong. Now I'm questioning my memory. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm, I'm questioning mine too. Uh, but yeah, I, I just kind of doing my research to refresh my memory about the game. Hearing some people that would get locked into that final story mission and get stuck was just... I don't, I don't understand why games feel the need to do that. But um, one of the other nice thing about nice things about a lot of the missions that you can do is um, you do missions for a lot of NPCs and they kind of develop a affinity for you and have um ha- you have sort of a reputation with them and by doing quests with would like one npc can, you can accidentally piss off another npc and not get to see that part of the uh, side quest mm-hmm. which is great for kind of story diversity but kind of sad for people that uh, obsess over doing all the side quests yeah i i imagine that's frustrating if you if you want to do all of the things but i i also think that's a i think that that stuff is neat um and so so the, the main city has different sectors and i don't think i ever really went into the residential sector because you know most of your main hub activity is going to be like in the um merchant sector and around where your base is to mess with your scouts. So when I saw how many side quests were in the uh, residential ske- sector, when I just kind of popped in there one day to do some other quest, it was like, oh, this is like a whole other gambit of side quests. Because, um, you know, at that time I was playing this, I was definitely one of those completionists and then had to just tell myself, I there's no way I'm 100%ing this game. <laughs> 
Um, you, especially, especially since that residential area is huge, and I don't think you can fly there. So let's see. We we covered that. Um, Wills, I know that you said that you could talk about the music for forever. Yes. Uh, one second. Uh, I actually uh, bought like some Japan iTunes cards and bought the soundtrack that way back uh, in the day because I was just like so in love with the soundtrack. Uh, it's got like this weird range of like weird electronic music um songs that sound like legitimate rock songs you'd hear on the radio mm-hmm. uh, a battle theme with rap um and just like these cool like orchestral songs with like electronics mixed in it's all over the place and it's wonderful yeah i feel like i still remember that one song that plays in uh that bit the big city new la that plays oh. during the daytime yeah, particularly because yeah, that that drum that kind of kicks in. That if you're in there for very long after a while, <laughs> at least for me, it kind of got on my nerves after a while. <laughs> Maybe because mainly because you know, it, it, well, it's a good tune. It doesn't really qualify as background music to me because that drum just kind of kicks in, and you just can't help but notice it. <laughs> and you spend so much time there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That- but but also the th- the thing about the music that I like in this game that pretty much every track in the game has a night and day theme. Yeah. 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 That's all. That's always nice. Just just the variety. And the soundtrack is definitely a k- kind of different animal than the original Xenoblade Chronicles soundtrack, which was more orchestrated and k- k- kind of fleeting, sweeping tunes versus like like you said, was this game where it's just an eclectic mix of different tracks and if to me that fits the sci-fi theme a little bit better yeah i mean if if you look at it out of context it seems like wow this is just a random mix of stuff Mm -hmm. but you know when you're playing through the games a lot of the tracks like just match the location or the combat you're in like perfectly it's it's great um or, or like the whimsy of uh I'm blanking on the Tiger character's name now. The potato. Uh, I'm just, Tatsu, I think? Yeah, Tatsu. I'm just going to call him the potato. Like His theme that plays yeah. in cutscenes is more jazzy and relaxed. Yeah. Which kind of plays, plays to his character a lot. And then, yeah, you've got the epic rap battle theme. Um, you've got the overworld music, which is really catchy. And there's like different themes for the different continents that play. And there's... There's like several different battle themes. Like if you get surprised, I think it plays a different battle theme than if it's just a regular combat. And then I think there's another battle theme if you're in a skell. I I there's noticed the different battle. I noticed the different battle theme in the skell. I never noticed the battle theme when you get surprised. I just remember there's there's some, and you know what? Maybe it's not if you're surprised. Maybe I think it's if you're fighting something that's like a way higher level than you. It's a different oh, battle yeah. theme. It just sounds like it's like, oh, you're gonna die music basically. <laughs> yeah. Um I know I heard that music several times because it's kinda easy to just get oh yeah. Wander into an area and get stomped by a welcome dinosaur. Or, you know, t- take on something that's a little bit too big for you while you're out exploring. Yeah. I kinda like that though, because trying to like find your way around these giant monsters to see if you can like explore this area that maybe you shouldn't be able to or like try to find different ways to some objective that maybe not 
exactly what the game is intending for you. It's it's pretty cool. And, you know, I think if you can find your way around a lot of those giant monsters, you know, I don't think the game necessarily stops you either. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think you can find a way to get to that, like, fire area. Uh, Caldros. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you wouldn't survive there, but you can technically go there. <laughs> if, you, if you put in the effort... See, I've got the different continents up now, and and I appreciate that each continent has a very unique uh, biome yeah. to it. So Primordia is the one that you start out with, with and that's your kind of um, grassland slash jungle continent. Um, very, very green, very pretty, uh, lots of landmarks to go to. And then I think next is Oblivia, which is your desert continent. Um very dry and arid though there's also like a a river running through it too and um that was one of the places where the verticality of it before i got my skull was kind of driving me up the wall oh yeah Uh and then i i can't remember i don't know what order the three after that were but um caldros is your fire area and then i'm sorry sylvium is your ice area What's the one that's like disconnected from all the other continents? I forget the name of it. It's like up way up in the right hand top right hand corner of the map. Um that's Caldros. Okay. That one I liked a lot because it's like a giant cave that you go into, essentially. Yeah, and then Noctilium is kind of your uh water area. Um I th- I think it's perpetually raining there all yeah. the or not yeah, either raining or thunderstorming. Um, just, just lots of diversity in the different uh, bi- biomes, which I appreciated. No, the, just everything about the game feels different. Like mm-hmm. this, this is one of the things that really drew me to this. Like, um, if if I wanted to try and find something like this, I would kind of come up blank. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the thing that drew me to this is just like just the sense of like alien world that. That really feels like, like it feels like you're out of your element. Mm-hmm. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it reminded me a lot of um, the James Cameron Avatar. Now, mm. granted, I don't like the story of that movie because it's basically Pocahontas, but no, no. I love the world yeah. of that movie. And you I, know, the, especially since that movie, it had a very hostile environment, and you definitely feel that in this game. Yeah. I don't even care about the world of Avatar, but yeah, this the world in here in this is interesting. Um, and, and you've also got a lot of sentient aliens that you run across too. Like I don't know if you remember the yeah. little bitty aliens that kind of looked like they were wearing gas masks. Oh yeah, I remember those. And I, then at some at some point you run into some aliens that look like lions that had uh, joined the bad guy aliens for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, and I, th- then, I, th- I think like some of my memories of the main story was like those scenes in that that like w- that weird room with those furry guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they looked very cat like, but then they joined your side though. I cannot remember for the life of me why. And then I. I want to say that the bad guy aliens just wanted to kill humanity because. Yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're just kind of, we're, we're bad evil guys. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. This game had a pretty decent story, but the kind of alien aspect of it was a little bit forgettable, at least as far as those bad guys, or rather the bad guys weren't really that memorable. Yeah, I, I barely remember anything about them. Um, they really kind of don't come into play until the very end. 
So I'm fine, I think I'm fine we, with that though, because I feel like a lot of this is just a lot of the story is just like about the planet you're on, and kind of the overarching story isn't necessarily yeah, the main draw. Anyway, it's, yeah, it's you're not really playing this for the story. You're playing um, this because you you really want to like get to know a, an alien planet. Mm-hmm. And I, I just realized that's kind of a good thing that you kind of don't really want to care about the story because I. I just remembered the game does end on a cliffhanger. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't finish this, but I definitely know it. I definitely knew that. Itch. I, I'm just thinking about when I found out about the cliffhanger, cliffhanger and trails of cold steel, or no, trails in the sky one. And I was like, well, I really don't even want to touch this until I know the other one is coming yeah. out. Yeah, if, uh, it feels frustrating when the story just ends on a cliffhanger and there's like no continuation. Yeah. Because I'm trying, I can't imagine that this game did very well just because it was on a system that was not very popular. If if I remember correctly, this game actually did pretty well, but don't quote me on that. I think at least there wasn't a lot of other things coming out on the Wii U, so people uh, wanted to get yeah. Um, third best get selling game during its release week in Japan, around eighty five thousand copies. Um, I'm not sure if it did well that well in the West. I think it actually. I think it definitely did better in the West, but I, oh, I yeah, you're right. Two hundred thousand copies yeah. during the month of December in the U.S. I feel like Xenoblade in general is just a little more popular in the West than in Japan. Seems like it. Which is which is weird when you consider Xenoblade Two's animeness. Yeah, that that does surprise me, but um. I mean, I mean. I wonder Brand, if they Brand were specifically trying to make that one uh, do better in Japan. It, they were definitely making it more tales-like, I guess. Mm-hmm. Though, truth be told, I did like Xenoblade 2's uh, character designs a little bit better than Xenoblade One. Just the. I don't know, the cutesy anime style on that one just jived with me a little bit better. Mm. But I'm, I'm also comparing I mean, I, that to the janky Wii models. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I actually kind of like the Xenoblade 1 models for some reason, because I, I like the style for some reason. Uh, have you gotten the remake? Uh, I have not. I'm, it's going to be a while before I get to that. Um, it, it's it's great. Oh, it yeah. is so I mean, much better. Yeah. I, I, plan, I plan on getting it. I just, I've, I haven't even played... I I need to get around to two because I played like ten hours of that when they came out, but then I I really need to earnestly play through that one. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I couldn't put two down when yeah. I was playing through it. Um, uh, I mean, one was so good. I played through one on the through the three DS. <laughs> that should tell uh, you how how much I enjoyed that one. That that's yeah. dedication to that yeah. tiny text. I mean, yeah, because um, yeah. I. I I played through one on the Wii, and even though I wasn't a fan of just kind of how dated everything looked on that on that version of the game, because you know they looked very PS2 in a time when character models has kind of evolved past that, but the game I, still looked good. I, I yeah, I actually liked the art the art style in the first one in the Wii. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like but, a neat like that neat. I I sort I've actually seen people compare it to Vagrant Story in terms of art style. Yeah, I can I can definitely yeah, I can see, see that. that. But um, you're gonna like if you like them now, you're gonna love the updated models in the remake, and yeah. and the remake just kind of plays better overall. Yeah, I'd, yeah. Some of the some of the gameplay improvements in the remake sound nice. Um, my real question is, if they bring Chronicles X to the Switch, how are they gonna do that touchscreen stuff? That's a big question. But <laughs> um, 
I'm, I mean, the, I guess the easy way would just be to, since you can play the game like with on the gamepad or just with the controller, they may just ditch all that completely. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there's like stink. maybe like maybe there's maybe you can just like switch. Uh, I don't know, like like there's a way to the menu or something. I, I don't, I'm not going to pretend I have any answers on this, but... I mean, obviously they're going to have to have it be its own menu. You know, yeah. you press a button to go to the menu. Um, they, they have done some touchscreen integration stuff, because... Uh, are either of you playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond or Shining Pearl yes. right now? Uh, I'm, yes. I'm not, I'm not really much of a Pokemon person. Okay. Yes, I am. I am. So, hey, remember me? I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, so you you guys have kind of done the little bit janky touch control stuff with those games, right? No. Yeah, the digging in the. Yeah, the digging. Yep. Um, if you're in handheld mode, you could actually dig on the touch screen just like you uh... could in the original mm-hmm. DS game. Mm-hmm. So if if they can do that for Pokemon, I'm sure that they could easily do that for this map. Yeah. That would be cool. And yeah, if you don't want to yeah. touch, you don't have to. If you're yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, in that mode. I pl- yeah, this reminds me because I, I I actually replayed Final Fantasy X on using the Switch on the yeah, with that remaster on the Switch and like mm-hmm. if you have it in handheld mode, there's like there's actually is some touchscreen stuff, which I didn't use because of course I play it on the TV. Mm-hmm. So, and say I play like ninety five percent on my Switch Lite, so I've always got a handheld going. Mm. What's funny is that I think that touchscreen stuff was um, carried over from the Vita version huh. because I, re- I remember because I was playing the Vita, I was doing the crossplay thing. And when I played on the Vita version, you could tap the touchscreen to um, do an auto heal, oh, which, is, hmm. which is really that's, handy. That's 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 neat. That's cool. And I, I sort of wish that they would kind of integrate a little bit more of those hidden touchscreen features for when you're playing in handheld mode. You know, just, you know, nothing that's going to be detrimental to gameplay or anything, but if you're in yeah. handheld mode, just that little bonus. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I kind of forget that it's actually a touchscreen sometimes because <laughs> it's kind <laughs> of little used for the most part. I, I use the touchscreen a lot when I'm typing my name or when I'm navigating the eShop, oh, nice. but everywhere else, oh, it's yes. like, oh, yeah. this doesn't work. Um, I, I think about this stuff. I didn't a lot, even know though. you could use the touchscreen for the eShop. Yeah. <laughs> anytime that uh, anytime you gotta enter letters, numbers, type, you know, hit the search button, it pops right up. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, and I, I think about this stuff a lot because one question that's always on my brain, just to go on a tangent, is how they could put Etrian Odyssey on the Switch because I miss mm. that series like crazy. Uh-huh. But that's a question that we'll come across on the, another day. Um, in the sidetrack, didn't they yeah. announce that there was going to be an Etrian Odyssey right around the time they announced uh, Shin Megami Tensei Five? Yeah, I feel like they did, and we got a. There te- was an a, image, a teaser image. Yeah, and it's been silent. Yeah, and you think the uh, wait for SMT Five is long? Uh, we can top that one. Hey, hey, maybe that's why SMT five stories suck because they put all their good writers in Etrian, right? I mean, <laughs> what's fun? What's funny is I, if I remember, actually, I think the director of SMT five is was actually the Etrian Odyssey guy. Hmm. So they put the. I, I'm just spitballing here. So they put their good story writer on Etrian because. <laughs> uh, oh Etrian yeah. isn't really known for its story. So. Surprisingly, the director of SMT five. Uh, is best known as the director behind the Etrian Odyssey series. 
Huh. He had previously worked on other Mega Ten games as scenario writer and event planner. That, that explains so, uh, so uh, much. Shigeo Kamori probably butchered that, but you know, look at that, Ryan. Good, good piece of trivia. I had not. I don't even think I've heard that mentioned anywhere. Before. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I mainly know. Yeah, I think I only knew that because someone someone I follow on Twitter mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's how these kind of things go, because I, I, I don't follow Etrian Odyssey behind the scenes personnel. <laughs> so yeah, unless uh, somebody mentioned that as a piece of trivia like you just did tonight, then I would have never heard that. So um, I, th- I think we're about ready to get, go to a break and go into the round table. But just to kind of get into the pricing of this game, I am certainly surprised that the uh, this copy of Xenoblade Chronicles X used goes for around $40 for a used copy, which I thought that the pandemic pricing, because, you know, retro games have gotten ridiculous, would have shot that up to twice that, given that it's a Wii U exclusive. Mm. But that being said, I think the real challenge for getting this game is uh, finding a Wii U with a working gamepad. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think any games on the Wii U are actually that expensive other than uh, Devil's Third. Yeah, that was uh, only that's... because they pr- printed like two copies, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, just one of those, oops, we print a limited amount we had to make it special or whatever. Uh... Well, I thought that that game had a low print run just because the development of it was pretty yeah. much dead on arrival. Well, yeah, yeah, no one, no well, one yeah. cared. <laughs> yeah, it's like Itagaki's Vanity Project or something. Essentially. Okay. But but my real selfish reason for wanting to do this backtrack before the end of the year is because, you know, we've had a reputation for summoning switch ports into existence because I take, uh, well, probably Phil more than me, but we take full credit for the reason why you guys have Tokyo Mirage sessions on Switch. Thank you. Thank you, us. Huh. Uh, so, you, better, yeah, you better be thanking us just, for that, Tokyo Mirage Sessions fans. Love so that game. If, if the if the first Nintendo Direct of the Year has a port of this, I I you know I'll send you a PO box to send us some checks. As, as hey, thank what, you. What about the Game Awards I, tomorrow night? Maybe they'll I, you know throw out a port I, I'm announcement. I'm not counting there. on that. <laughs> I am not holding my breath, but strange stranger things have happened during the Game Awards. Didn't a Donkey Look, Kong Country get I'm announced? To, I'm willing to accept if I'm proven wrong, but I'm not counting on it. Wait, didn't Joker playable and Smash get announced on the Game Awards? It did. Okay. Which I, which well, when they did that, I thought it was Persona Five for the Switch. <laughs> mm. I mean, so I, I thought not happy. But uh, that that being said, I I don't see aside from that map issue, I don't see any reason why this isn't on the Switch yet. No. Yeah, I th- I think I remember like I think they said in an interview that it'd, it'd be a little difficult to port it. Yeah, for the, basically the reason we've already said. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I I don't claim to know anything about programming, but I can't imagine <laughs> making yeah. that map work on a yeah. touch screen yeah, uh, can be that hard yeah the, no. g- the gamers think like oh you can just press the button and change shit so no yeah, I, mean, I, if, I if if you look at a lot of no, the other the other wii u ports like um i mean tokyo mirage sessions is also kind of a big game and you know this is yeah, probably yeah, bigger but it seems it, right now it seems like the perfect time to do it too between mm-hmm. xenoblade um two and whatever comes next yeah I think they basically they essentially already announced Xenoblade Three without actually announcing it. Yeah, no. When that's, did they do that? Yeah, they basically. I think they like said something. Oh yeah, we're we're making the next Xenoblade or something. Oh, so I guess we shouldn't hold our breath too much. I mean, well, maybe the next one is Xenoblade X Two, and they're gonna announce the port when they announce that. 
Xenoblade X2, and it comes with a copy of one for free. There you go. Ban edit that shit. I, I feel that like Chronicles this is a point where I should edit that. in Phil singing, what should I, what could I do for you? Just... <laughs> <laughs> Anything with X2 in it, I, you gotta go right there. So Xenoblade X2 will be it, uh, Totally different with J-pop protagonists yeah. and no men. Yeah, we got. I don't know. It may just have a bonus track. You know, who knows? DLC. DLC. Well, I, I think we've gone on enough of a tangent that it's probably time to go go on a break. Come back with the roundtable, talk about our favorite bits about Xenoblade Chronicles X, and then put a bow on put a bow on this one. So we'll be back with the roundtable. Stick around. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, where we're getting into the roundtable for Xenoblade Chronicles X. This is where we kind of get into our own personal thoughts about the game. Uh, favorite characters, favorite music, um, our memories surrounding the game, that sort of thing. Um, I like to start out with my favorite question. Did you have a favorite or funniest moment from the game? How about you, Ryan? Mm. Let's start with you. Yeah. I just thought, like, finally getting that scale after, like, 30 hours into the game was was just really cool and stuff and then no, that, that's a breakout moment yeah and then like i'm trying to think if i can think of anything else uh, i definitely remember that like one side quest with one of the aliens uh, underwear was involved <laughs> oh of course it's a japanese game there has to be a panty side quest sh- involved. i'm not even sure if it was like a pervy thing it was just more like and it was just like ooh aliens and human things or whatever. Was it the little gas mask aliens? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. think, it, I think it was like yeah. Um, yeah. For me, without a doubt, the quest where you get a cat in the base. <laughs> wow! Surprise. Yeah, you you run around trying to find a lost cat in New LA, and then once you're done, a cat gets in your base. Uh, just sits there on the command table in your base for the rest of the game and goes through all of your favorite cat animations, including licking its butt. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. Actually, I think there was that one side quest that was like, you had to find, you had to find like, like these like lobster like things. I swear. I I forget what that was about. Like about, it was like a bombs or whatever. Hmm. Yeah. That one isn't ringing any bells. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure I'm thinking of something. I just don't know what. The thing about the cat side quest that amused me was that's after you find out about the twist, or rather finding out that your body is actually robotic, which then made me wonder, is that cat a robot too? Mm. That's a good question. Is it just a cat? I don't know. They never said. Um, Do you have a favorite moment, Wheels? Um, I'm going to have to go with the, the moment you get the scale as well. It's just... It feels like the game really opens up then, and you you have a lot more freedom to explore. And I'm sure 
had I gotten far enough to the point where you get flight, that that would kind of be the same thing, only like on a bigger scale. Now, to to be fair, I don't think the scale op- opening up is as like egregious as say like a Final Fantasy thirteen. It's not terribly long into the game, but I do think you have to clear a couple of chapters first. Yeah, I, I, I would have liked it earlier, but I mean, it's not like you don't have any freedom to explore beforehand. It kind of just yeah. enhances something you can already do. So yeah, um, the, the the flight moment is, and that that is later in the game, just justifiably so, because most RPGs you get flight much later, but that's when it really opens up. Uh, so, so did any of us have a particular favorite character? Uh, not not really, because like I feel like I. I would recognize what they would look like, but I wouldn't be able to describe like character traits. I th- I think the most I can remember is like just like Tatsu was like I know was Tatsu did Tatsu get angry did hungry a lot or or I don't, I, I don't know if it was him or the the running yeah. joke with Len wanting to cook. Yeah, him. I think I think that's what I was I think that's what I was referring to. I think the jo- joke with Tatsu was just how useless he was. Yeah, uh, that's most no pawn characters in Xeno games. Oh no, Ricky wasn't useless. He had. He was useful. What was the name of the one in uh, Xenoblade Two Wheels? Uh, like drawing a blank for some reason. I keep thinking it's four. Think name. I think, yeah, I only played like ten hours of two, so. Yeah, I did not use him very much in <laughs> two. Me neither, though. His his robot was pretty handy. Yeah. Um. As for this game, as far as characters, my my favorite, uh, without a doubt, was L the alien because he was really funny and just kind of um. I I don't know the way that he would say try to say English phrases, but just completely screw them up. Like how um how he uh called these aliens ass caves when I think he was trying to say assholes. And he'd just say stuff like that throughout the course of the game. Um, he, he, I had him in my party a lot just because he cracked me up. And he's voiced by Ray Chase, who's one of my favorite actors. Um, Noctis, you might know. Oh, him nice, that. nice. Yeah. Um, he was pretty cool. I, I also liked Lau a lot too, but then was I couldn't have him as my favorite because, like I said, they took him away. But he, he's voiced by Matt Mercer, so I have to like him because Matt's my favorite voice actor huh. um i don't know if you had a favorite character wheels uh definitely lynn she's funny huh. yeah that's interesting yeah uh, and then we, we kind of talked about the soundtrack a little bit wheels you yeah. you like the whole soundtrack yes i have listened to it a ton uh i think that battle theme is probably one of my favorite tracks uh, but there's also a, a really cool orchestral track that plays that plays during one of the trailers. You can find it, um, and uh, there's a lot more like that. Like some some songs in the soundtrack, I never actually even found in the game. There's there's so many. Uh, I think it was at least a four disc soundtrack for sure. Mm. Yeah. Like I said before, a lot of variety. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I listed the battle theme as my favorite song, too, just because it just has such a good hook. Yeah, it's great. And I would always get disappointed when, like, a battle was short because the song takes a little bit to pick up. But, like, for longer battle, it's it's great. Oh, let me fight more. I want to hear the whole song. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then and then finally, because I'll start with Wheels because he obviously has the best story. Do you have any special memories about the game, like what you were doing when you played it um, in your life? Do you want me to do my unfortunate story first? 
Yeah, because I mean, well, one, I don't know if I'm gonna be gonna be able to top that, but two, it's just you've been hinting at it all show, and yeah. now I'm curious. Uh, so at some point, I want to say it was like probably like two years ago. Um, I started to notice like that the external uh, hard drive I was using with the Wii U um, seemed to be having issues. Like things were taking a while to load, and uh, it just did not seem to be working right. So I began. The process of trying to move everything to a new one, which is complicated because the Wii U doesn't support external hard drives great. And you need like you need like one that has like that split cable that plugs into two USB slots. Oh. Yeah. So I was having a lot of trouble just figuring all that out and started like piecemeal copying things over. And then I decided, well, you know, I'm just going to delete a bunch of games and, you know, I'll just re-download them once I'm on the new hard drive. That's fine, you know. And I think what was in my brain was how the switch works, where it saves all all the save data is on the system memory, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of wherever you save the game are. So I was like, you know, it's okay if I delete these games because the save data is still on the system. It was not. Uh, uh. When you delete something on the on the Wii U, it's got like the whole game, the, the save data, and updates all in like one package. Uh, so, I mean, oh, I didn't like yeah. go in and delete the game. I just like wiped the hard drive and you know moved to a new one. Uh, so, you know, my save data was gone because it was with the game, and I, for some dumb reason, I thought it was on the system somewhere. Um, so, man, that's like God. Yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty crushing once I yeah, realized what it yeah, happened. Yeah, this reminds me how like on the Vita, like if you delete a game from the system, it it'll take it just deletes the save data too for some reason. Yeah, and, yeah, but at least with that, there's cloud save back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but I had an unfortunate thing where I I was I was playing with Parasite Eve, and then because my brother borrowed it, and because he was signing in, it like. I think because I think because he like signed into his his PSN account, and then it just erased my save file. Oof. It's it's worse because I was literally at the end of the game in that case. Yeah, yeah the, I'm. The, the Wii U was really bad about a lot of this stuff because it used like a pr- proprietary file system. So even though you can use an external hard drive, and even though it had an SD card slot in it, you actually can't copy save data off the system and like back it up on your computer. Oh. There's just no way to read it. Yeah, you just unlocked a memory for me because um, I had my perfect game of uh, Twilight Princess. But for some reason, because it, my husband and I were sharing a Wii U, I was playing it on my account, and he was playing it on his account. So um, when he got his own Wii U, he transferred his stuff over there, including my perfect save file of Twilight Princess, and then started his up his own game and then deleted it somehow. Uh, uh, I was so upset because, yeah, I, I got all the bugs, all the heart containers... Uh, you know, just at one one hundred percent of that game, and I and I discovered this when I was trying to find it to um, load up the wolf the Wolf Link amiibo, because uh, because the Wolf Link amiibo had all the stats, and it, to this day it still bugs me that my Wolf Link only has like seventeen hearts because he never finished all because it was his saved data and he never finished it. So, uh, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, 
the accidental <laughs> deletion of save file feels. Yeah, it's it really it just really sucks because it's like it's not even like some old game where there should there was really no way to get the save data off off. It's like this is a modern console and we should have had a way to be able to just copy our save data to a damn computer or to the SD card and the Nintendo uh, at that point had just been um, was just paranoid about piracy and whatnot after everything oh, on, everything during the Wii and DS era. Uh-huh. And they're, they're still bad about that. I'm I'm still pissed that uh, I can only have like one Animal Crossing island at the moment. Yeah, uh-huh. that that's annoying, and I don't like that you can't. Uh, there's no cloud save for any of the Pokemon games. Like I, I can un, kind of understand the reason for that, but it's also terrifying. <laughs> oh, for, uh, that they want you to spend twenty dollars on that bank. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's probably the real reason. Which I do, but I mean, e- even with that, it's like, well, I have to have some Pokemon in the actual game save to use. Right. So if you lose that, they're just gone. Yep. Um, Ryan, did you have a memory? Uh, yeah. I- I mean, it's not like much, but I I had I had gone the game like like maybe a few days after Christmas 2015, and I was and I was definitely like really looking forward to it because I loved the first Xenoblade, even though it was definitely going to be like a different experience from that one. And like I definitely played, I definitely played it on and off for like 70 hours with the crossover several months, and I just real I just really liked like taking in that world and like. Just traveling in that scowl, and like, hmm. uh, yeah, I do. I do wish I. Uh, this is just a weird thing with me, but I definitely regret like not finishing it back then. Oh, one one of these days you'll uh you'll get there. Yeah, maybe hopefully dust um, off cause... that Wii U, <laughs> or maybe play eventual Switch. Uh, maybe think, maybe you can play on Switch. Because I I feel your pain. I. I, it bothers me when I get that far in a game and then never finish it either. Yeah. Um, especially if I'm really enjoying it. So I, I feel your pain. <laughs> um, I think that's why I ended up finishing all of the Wii U games that I had, just so that I could be done with that system. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, this was almost the case with with uh, Battle Chasers for me, but then I actually did like finish that one, so... Because I I literally got to the final boss and I was having so much trouble with it and then but then like several months later I just like grinded up like other party members and then I managed to finish in like three tries so well I, my uh, my memory isn't nearly as as memorable I just I got the game for Christmas and I played the crap out of it and <laughs> yeah. I I just have a very distinct memory of getting to some point in the game and then quitting. And then going to meet my mother-in-law at uh, Old Chicago, which is like a pizza place here. I don't know if it's a chain or not, for w- with my husband for his birthday. And being so irritated that like the rest of his family was supposed to be there with him or with them. And it was only his mother. And I, I don't know why it irritated me so, so bad, because I don't even particularly like my father-in-law and brother-in-law, but I guess I felt bad for my husband that, you know, his whole family was going to be there, and they weren't. And I don't know why I tie that memory associated with Xenoblade X, because I just remember getting back home and p- picking up the game and just being really annoyed flying around in my scowl 
while playing because of that. And I, I know it's the most bizarre association in my life, but they, there you go. That was like, that's like, you say Xenoblade X, that's literally the first thing that comes up in my mind is being so annoyed at that uh, little mini birthday party. So, <laughs> like, like I said, it's, it's not a very good memory. I, I, I mean, not like it's like a terrible mind bending memory or anything, just more like, but why do you think about that, Kel? I don't know association. So I, uh, I I think our conclusion is that this game is really good, and it's a shame that it's stuck on a system that hardly anybody uh, liked. Yeah, everyone should be able to play this game. Yeah, I'll c- cross our fingers and pr- pray to the port gods that it'll come to Switch one day. Yes, please. Or who knows, maybe even the Switch successor, if there is one. And then please, if it does happen, please buy it so that we get a sequel. <laughs> yeah. Please and thank you. Yeah, because I need to figure out what happens with that cliffhanger. And I want more of the soundtrack. Yes. So uh, I, th- I think we're ready to put this one to bed. Th- thank you, Ryan, and thank you, Wheels, for kind of kind of shuffling your schedules a little bit because we, we had to take a week off for reasons. And of, of course, thank you always to my co-host, Matt Mason, who's kind enough to kind of sit here in the background and listen to us go on about Xeno stuff. It makes me feel like I'm doing something useful when I'm just scrolling through Twitter for two hours. See, I figured you'd be playing Pokemon. I I, I probably should have used my time wiser, but, you know, don't we all? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. We could, oh. We could always, mm-hmm. oh, go ahead, Grind. Yeah, yeah, I say, yeah, I think we all, we all know what, the, what not being an old magic time is like. Mm-hmm. Well, um, next week is pretty much our last uh last show for the year because um, mm-hmm. it's kind of kind of butt up against our christmas break and i don't know about you guys but i ain't doing jack that that last two weeks in december no yeah 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 christmas is my relaxation time so um i might not get a chance to say this next week because we're gonna have uh, like what seven people on next week and it's gonna be kind of a circus yeah so um I just wanted to take the time to thank the listeners for this wonderful year of kind of the backtrack revival, because it, it's definitely been a passion project for both Matt and I and all of our guests. Um, just trying to kind of feel, feel our way through the show, try to make it better while keeping the same spirit alive with the original show. And I, I appreciate every single listener out there that c- comes and listens to us ramble um, I, I know that we don't always have the best audio quality, nor we are the the most articulate podcasters, but yeah. we try. Yeah, and we, yeah, that's that's the that's the pull quote for a podcast. We try. Yeah, we we try. <laughs> but um, I appreciate every one of you listeners, and and if you have any feedback or if you have things that you would like to hear or games you would want us want us to cover next year, because pr- pretty much everything's on the table next year. Um, even if uh, it's been on uh, backtracks of old, because like I've said, we've said um, some of those backtracks are like old enough to drink at this point. Well, maybe not that old, but getting well, there. No. In dog years. In dog years. Yes. Old enough to drink in dog years. So. And don't listeners don't give your dogs alcohol. No. <laughs> no. But um, we, we, we've we've got a lot to do. And um, we're going to be having a conversation at some point to discuss the schedule. So when you hear this, just draw, drop a comment. Or uh, tw- tweet me at redrock963 at tw- um, that's my Twitter handle or at rpgamer and just don't be afraid to give us suggestions. Tell us what we're doing good, what we're doing bad, but 
regardless, thank you for hanging with us for this year because it's been amazing. Um, I I was worried that it wasn't going to go well, but I think we've had some excellent shows, and I'm having a blast, and I, and I know Matt's having a blast. Oh yeah. So um, I think we're gonna. I need to. I need to play a lot of games, and uh, I, I would say the second half of this year, this kind of guided my interest. We're like, oh, yeah. let's do Cold Steel one, and suddenly I'm right back in the trails mode, yeah. and yeah. You know, we did Stardew Valley, and I'm like, oh, look at that. It happens to be on sale this week, and, you know, huh. 65 hours later. Um, Pokemon, we, we talked about uh, Sun and Moon, and next thing you know, I've bought the old, I, I got a strategy guide for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and my son and I are like, spring break, that's what we're doing. We're going to play through that. Awesome. So, like, yep. I, I never did the Ultra ones, and I, I bought one of the copies, and I'll get another, and we'll do it up. Yeah, Um you know, I was in between games and I was like, you know what? We got Yakuza 6 coming up and I bought it for five bucks. I might as well fire it up. And I've been having a ball playing it. Um, I, I keep messing. I'm probably driving Josh up the wall every night. It's like, oh, my God, this side quest was so funny. And I, I spent like an hour last night running around um, one of the towns trying to find all the cats. Because there's Cat Cafe in this game or Yakuza 6 that I... I, I've got to get all the cats for the cat cafe. That's my brand. But we, we will. Well, I, I will elaborate more on that next week. But I just <laughs> and, I wanted to take I, some time. Oh, go ahead. And, and I will also be elaborating next week. Yes. Um, but I uh, wanted to take some time to thank the listeners in case we didn't get to it next week because of the chaos that's going to inevitably ensue. And yeah, um, thank you. And thank you for listening to our show. Matt, I don't know if you have anything to put this to bed. Good night. Good morning. Good afternoon, whenever you're listening. Good luck. Have a good one.